0: we decided that when we opened VITA, we we worked really hard to get the acronym VITA because if your audience may or may not know, but VITA in Spanish means life. And so we thought from all this deeply empathetic work, how can we make this be more about our lives and who we are than just quote unquote school? And we wanted our engagement to be the center of what we did with people, but not just the kids, but with the adults as well. So as a sitting principal, I can tell you like,
2: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. So I am really excited to welcome Dr. Eric Shigela to the show today. Um, When you hear the inspiring ideas that Eric has to share with us about how to make the educational experience for our children, one that's inspiring and joyful rather than boring and worse yet, anxiety producing, you will understand why. Eric is the founding principal of VITA, VISTA Innovation and Design Academy. Eric has earned several accolades, including the Innovative Principal of the Year in 2020 from Classroom of the Future Foundation, Middle Level Principal of the Year in 2019, from San Diego and Imperial Counties Association for California School Administrators, and the INSPIRE Award Grand Prize for VITA in 2017 by Classroom of the Future Foundation, among others. Eric has spoken across North America in both workshops and keynotes about personalized learning, design thinking, and to talk about what it takes to build a true school culture that will be ripe for innovation. But most importantly, Eric is the principal for my two youngest kids, and I can attest that they tell me every day that Vita is the best school they have ever attended. They're excited to go and learn every morning, which as a parent makes me very happy, but it also makes my life a lot less stressful. So welcome to the show, Eric.
0: Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's good to be here.
2: So I want to start out by talking about Vita as the founding and current principal. I'd love for you to share your vision of Vita, why you designed the school the way that you did.
0: Great. So we are what I call a true story of school transformation. And so VITA is housed in a 60-year-old building in Central Vista. We're about a mile from the jail for all of North County, San Diego. We share a fence line with the school for expelled youth for all of North San Diego. And so that just gives a little context for the type of, of neighborhood. Um, this was Washington Middle School for a long time, and it really served the community well for, for decades. And um, towards the end of its existence, Washington Middle School, it had become a victim of no child left behind, of uh, segregation, of low expectations by all sorts of people. Not the staff, but just people within the system trying to not be too specific. Um, It was a victim of bureaucracy, And so the school was in what's called annual yearly progress is something under No Child Left Behind that schools had to do better in every single year. And Washington Middle School had had eight consecutive years of doing worse in their annual yearly progress. And so the state of California essentially told the district, either you do something with the school or we're going to do something with the school. And so the superintendent at that time, who was fairly new to the district, So inherited all sorts of things, had already met with the staff and let them know that something had to change drastically at Washington Middle School. So in February 2013, I was hired as the third principal that year. Wow. So um, administrative turnover is a really big issue in highly impoverished schools. I was the sixth principal in seven years. Wow. When I came into Washington Middle School. And the charge was given of something has to change here. We don't know what it is, but um, you got to figure it out. And so we worked with the teachers and a lot of people reference it like your school, what you did, but it's nothing about me or I. It's about what the team of teachers at Washington did with an eye towards the future for helping um, create a new opportunity for the neighborhood. And so it was a deeply empathetic work because the design thinking process uh, that we learned about from Stanford University's Institute of Design or the D School. And that led us down this journey of actually talking to alumni and talking to current parents and talking to students and you know sharing stories with each other about. Um, I even went down and met with the guys who run the 7-Eleven on the corner about what <laughs> they thought about the school. And so we got all these different inputs. And what we realized. Basically, like actually not listening to bureaucrats, but listening to the people in the system, the children, the parents, the families, the teachers, is there was really a, a lack of engagement. There was no reason for poor Latinx kids to come every day. They didn't see themselves in the opportunities. There was nothing kind of like pulling them in. There was no excitement. They uh, Most of the kids did not have elective classes. But instead, they were given more and more academic type interventions. And so we decided that when we opened VITA, we we worked really hard to get the acronym VITA, because if your audience may or may not know, but VITA in Spanish means life. And so we thought from all this deeply empathetic work, how can we make this be more about our lives and who we are than just, quote unquote, school? And we wanted our engagement to be the center of what we did with people, but not just the kids but with the adults as well. So as a sitting principal, I can tell you, like, what makes happy parents is happy kids. What makes happy kids is happy teachers. And so sometimes we get into this, if you you think, well, I think about it in terms of the politics in America right now. You're either left or you're right. And you're either correct or you're wrong. I either love you or I hate you. Like, we're so black and white and divided. And that's not really how life is. And that's not how humans function. We have all sorts of gray. And so there's, there's books and all these uh, buzzwords about students have to be at the center of everything that we do. And there's a great book by a friend of mine called Students at the Center. I think we're our, our school's the entire focus of, I think, Chapter 8. It's a great book, but platitudes like that miss a lot of the point in that it's, it's not just that kids have to be at the center of our decisions. Of course, we're here for kids. But if the adults who care and tend to them are not engaged and inspired and excited about what they can offer and their work, then the experience for the kids. So politicians sucks. can say and it all doesn't be yes that they want to it's say the people who actually deliver the experience aren't like top form, ready to go, like jumping out of bed themselves. And then we see that trickle into the kids and their experiences as a former dad here, um, because we we use this lens of building a school we want our own kids to go to. And so. That is sort of like the origin story of Vita.
2: And so talk a little bit more about what Vita offers. What is it about the school, about the way that you designed it? Because you basically, it seems like from my experience as a parent there, that it almost was designed from the bottom up. Like you almost scrapped everything and started over. So what is that? What makes it different from what I might call just a more cookie cutter or in the box, a middle school experience?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. The first thing we had to do is decide what mattered to us. Was it going to be the industrial education testing complex and their measures that matter to us? Was it going to be the lives of children? And so what we really wrapped our heads around, and there's been a, a dramatic shift of demographics that you know, probably isn't a discussion point for what we're doing right now, but what is what we wanted to do and what we were working towards is we wanted to punch generational poverty in the face. We wanted to... What, In the world can we do to help end generational poverty in our neighborhood and so we knew that what had been happening in public schools across america to poor youth was perpetuating generational poverty at least in our neighborhood and so we did basically start from scratch we we didn't come up with a schedule until we figured out what we wanted to do what did we want to do for kids and we didn't think about what we wanted to do to kids until we actually met with the kids and the parents and the families and the guys at the 7-Eleven to figure out what was going on. And so um, one of the things coming out of Washington, so no students really had electives. um, I think 15% of the kids actually had an elective class. And so we knew, like, we we built in insurance policies and redundancies for kids and opportunity. And so um, we wound up going to a rotating 90-minute block period. But if you look at a 6th grader's schedule, then they would have because we're on a rotating block schedule, they would only have lunch 3 days a week. And we know that we have to feed the kids 5 days a week. And so in this 90-minute block period what we did is in the middle of the day, we said, "Well, we're going to take one of these blocks. We're going to give the kids 40 minutes of it for lunch, and we're going to do 50 minutes of a really like awesome, radical different type of experience that they get to self-select into built on the passions and excitement of a teacher. So like everyone's getting into the mix of something interesting and every single kid, no matter who they are, what they look like, where they come from, what they speak or what they don't speak, what their cognitive abilities are or aren't, every single kid is gonna get that experience every single day. And by tying it to their lunch period, no bureaucrat can come in and say, Johnny needs to um, not be in a flight and rocketry class. He needs to be in more reading intervention. We could say, "Well, this class is attached to their lunch period, so if you take it away, you're taking away their lunch period, and you can't do that by law. Nice. <laughs> so like, yeah, and of course, there's obviously ways around that, but <laughs> we, if you say it strongly and firmly and confidently enough, then people don't don't touch it and they let you do what you want to do. And so it just we found a lot of ways, not around the system, but through the system in order to protect the interest and the hope and the vitality of all kids. And what's ironic is we built it for, in our neighborhood, poor Latinx youth, but it became incredibly popular with middle-class white families as well. And so there's been this like push and pull of demographics of, of what we've done here and who's been attracted and uh, it's caused some local problems with our school board for what the demographics are and do they match the neighborhood. And so there's been some ways to help fix that because we became a school choice in the process.
2: Definitely. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to say this earlier is as a parent, you know, one of the things when we first came to the intro night to learn about the school and, you know, I had literal tears in my eyes about the things that were going to be available to my children and offered to my children. And, you know, my one daughter will Taylor will bloom where she's planted. Chandler does not Chandler is a very particular little plant and he's he's uh, kind of like an orchid you he you know I mean maybe they're hardier than I think but I always tend to kill them uh, you know he really needs a very particular he needs to be inspired if he's inspired by his learning he is gonna really take off otherwise you know he can really really struggle and so when we came into the school and there was so much passion and excitement and I had tears in my eyes and both the kids left there and they're like this is the school I want to go to and A lot of times in those experiences, you'll walk away, and then when you come to experience the reality, it falls flat. Like the reality doesn't match what you were sold. And so, but the reality is that that we are getting that every day. They are getting that every day. They are so excited every time I ask, especially checking with Chandler because he can really struggle. And, you know, how is it going? I love it. I love it. I'm so happy. He's just having a really great time at school. And so, what was designed for the school, the vision for the school is actually what is happening every day. The teachers are really delivering and they seem to love their job and love what they're teaching. And I just think that's amazing. I want to talk about the gills because I love this concept. So I'd love for you to share with the audience what the gills are and then how it's actually, it's, it's iterated into every single class, into every single curriculum. So it's not just like we talk about this or we just have it posted on the wall. Like, this is integrated into the curriculum in every single class so that it really sinks in to the kids throughout their three years there. Eric will answer this question about what gills are and how they are an integral part of the school culture at VITA, as well as how parents can find the right school fit for their individual child, right after a word from our sponsors. These later years of childhood have been flying by. head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. This episode is sponsored by By Heart, by Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Now that we're back, Eric will tell us about the GILS, an integral part of the school culture at Vita. Yeah,
0: so our GILS are our core values. And so our school name, Vista Innovation Design Academy, Vita, it means life in Spanish, is our acronym. And um, our mascot is we are the sharks. And so what uh, what our core values are is it's another acronym. It's called the GILS. And the the storyline of that and the narrative is that the way that sharks breathe is through their gills. And so without their gills, sharks, they die. They don't have life. There is no Vita. And so without our gills, there is no Vita metaphorically as a school. And so our five core values are um, grit to persevere, um, innovating through design, learning about empathy, leading with integrity, and sparking creativity. When we were developing these, when we developed our vision, when we developed our mission, we developed the core values. We were really careful to not look and see what the cookie cutter things from every other school in the world were. What was, what was really important to us? What were we really trying to get to with the kids and the families based on all that deep empathetic work that we had done? And so as core values and the narrative of Gills and life in the name of the school being life. We've really worked to integrate that, especially in sixth grade coming in. I think we, with our current seventh, eighth graders, we probably like lost a little bit of that traction through the COVID years and just trying to manage and kids being everywhere. We tried again to reinstall it really, really heavily with our current sixth graders. So they have a sense of who we are and what we expect from them. And that those expectations, it's like a really rich, like it's listening to the ancestors almost at this point. About who we should be and what we should be doing, because that came out of work um, a decade ago with people in this neighborhood, from this neighborhood, and it was for this neighborhood.
2: Very nice. I, I love that. And when I went to the back to school night and how it was just integrated into every single class and how that they're integrating that into the lesson plans is great because it's not just, you know, it's not just that empty talk that we use empathy here, but it we re, you know you really embody it every day. Well, it ties
0: really nice to our design cycle. So we were built on a design process and it's a human-centered design process and empathy is at the core of it. So as we're doing our design work, it automatically integrates this this core value and reinforces it while they're doing, whether it's a fun design challenge or like a meaty, like actual, like it's work and can be tedious sometimes type design work.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about how, I don't know if it's about how, how kids learn, different kids learn differently, or if it's just about how they engage differently and how Vita meets that for kids from all different backgrounds.
0: Yeah. So schooling and learning and teaching is a really, really difficult thing. and It's getting more difficult every year. As you know, because you said this in your question, so many kids are sparked and hold on to things or engage with things in different ways. And so we've, we're not a great school for people who need a lot of structure. And the reason why we don't have a lot of structure is because we know that you can't fit everyone within a certain lane. And so you know, even with our, with our teachers, we don't have like a grading policy. We don't have homework policies. We've created a series of philosophies for the adults on campus about this is what we believe, this is what we think. And these are guardrails for how we'll act. And so it, it looks the same. We're all on the same road, but we're not necessarily in the same lane when we do it. And then that helps with the students because it provides a myriad of different opportunities for how they how we approach learning with them, um, their voice in what they do. So they actually care about what they're learning and how they're doing it. And then in a lot of ways, also to express themselves in how they've mastered their learning. And so they, you know, no matter how fun or great a school is, like, If they can't read, write, do math, and all basic academic things for the next level, then it's malpractice. So, like, how do you massage creating a system, a a public school with eight hundred kids with all these backgrounds? How do you engage it in a way where it's exciting for them all, but they see themselves and represented in it, and you're assured that they're still gaining all the skills, both academic and technical type skills? That we want them to leave with.
2: Yeah, it's a big job. I don't, I don't envy
0: <laughs> our, what it our, takes
2: to to do that for all different kinds of children.
0: Shout out to our teachers for uh, figuring out as good as they have.
2: Oh, they're amazing, and yeah. you know, and giving them some of the freedom to to take on how they're going to teach. You know, instead of telling them how to teach, because I mean, I would, I wouldn't want to be told how to do my job on a micromanagement level. So opening that up to them makes that more fun and more exciting for them, which. You know, which serves the kids in the exactly. long run that engagement
0: yeah. there was a book my my mom was a teacher and a principal, and I remember she had a book when I was growing up. I always thought it was weird. I didn't understand it until I was forty, and the title <laughs> was "If you don't feed the teachers then delete the the children uh, <laughs> like that is true that
2: is true, and we've had that experience ourselves so <laughs> we've had to move schools um, oh. in the in the past hungry teachers so schools like Vita are not very common, at least at this point. And right. so, you know, this is really kind of, I don't want to say it's an experiment because I don't really feel like it's an experiment. I think it's based on a lot of research and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of hard work and, and building things, but it is an anomaly. It's not something that you're going to find in a lot of communities right now. And so, you know, I've had this with my children. I get emails from parents whose children are really struggling in their more, you know, in the box schools And so, you know, for parents who have kids who are struggling either academically or especially it's emotionally, right? Anxiety and other types of struggles because they're just not fitting into this. What are some things that parents can do to either find or help create or lead this type of environment, learning environment for their children?
0: I think it's like a two part question. So there's like the immediate need of parents that are facing like a crisis with their kids. And what do I do tomorrow in order to? help improve their lives and like ease angst and then societally and communally um, within the communities of america like what can we do and so i think there's two different options so we are a product of the school choice movement so we're a magnet school and magnet schools developed in this country as a response to the failure of forced desegregation and so the you know Very true. We should desegregate schools. is a very important effort. But lo and behold, at that time in history, white middle class families didn't want to necessarily be desegregated. And um, so then forced busing came about and nobody, nobody wanted to be on a bus going large distances to someplace that they didn't want to be. And so the idea of magnet schools came saying if we take a centrally located school and we put something really great there, then that will attract a natural diversity of student enrollment. And so that is sort of like the the function we play as a centrally located school with this idea of school choice and going from a very segregated to a very non-segregated school. So we're a success in that. And those examples, they lie, they do lie throughout the country, but there's also charter schools and there's the homeschool networks. And there are so many needs of kids. And we've talked because we're not a perfect fit for families too. And that's why and you came on a tour. I lead 99% of our family tours because I want to make sure that parents understand exactly what you will or won't get, what the the vision is and what it isn't, and that we don't kowtow to necessarily like, well, I think you should do this. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> Hopefully there's a place for you, but let's be really honest about what you will and won't get here. And so having those conversations and, and finding through different networks, through social media. I think that's the best place to find a lot of them because I see in like my I live in the city of San Marcos and I see questions about where can I find XYZ? And then parents list here's all these great places, places I've never heard of that you can go to school for free. So and I know it depends on state and how big your area is, um, what the opportunities are, but there are a ton of opportunities out there for families. And so that would be like the tomorrow type thing. But then I I really believe that families hold more power than they than they know. So all education for all intents and purposes is a local issue in America. The feds have their hand in it with funding and states have their hands in it with funding and rules, but really like we're all run by local elected school boards. And those school boards can decide what is important and what is not important and what we could and should do. And what we shouldn't do. And all that should be informed by parents who are informed, who are passionate, who care about their neighborhoods and their communities, and the kids both currently in the system and to come in the system. And so, you know, there are some, I've seen some different like parent networks, and they rose up a lot during COVID in response to things. But we we need that same type of energy, whether it's maskers or non-maskers or whatever's. We need that same type of energy just on a regular basis for what we're offering kids and how we're preparing our communities for the future and serving our kids. Before COVID, we had about a thousand people a year come through the school, whether there are other schools. Um, we had inter- internationally, we had travel coming through, um, families going on tours. We've seen it, this huge desire and hope for how can things be done differently, both from educators and from students. And a lot of the educators who have come through just said, well, we just can't do that. So why can't you do that? Our, Our limitations are only limits because we give them the power to be limits. Limits are things that typically they're constructs that we've made up. Well, test scores, or we don't have the funding or, well, you don't necessarily have to care about test scores. And when we started like tinkering with Washington Middle School before we made the big change, when we got rid of a lot of the stuff that NCLB said we had to do, the test scores of the last year actually went up. They were the highest test scores that Washington <laughs> had had when there was like, we loosened up the system and took the screws out.
2: Take up, and, take off the pressure.
0: Yeah. And in funding, like it, it's an absolute truth, especially in public education, what, where our funding goes and where we put it is what we actually believe in and care about. And so parents do have more power, but there has to be a collective group of parents who are working together and putting the pressure on those locally elected officials to say, this is what's important for our local community. All
2: right, that's great. Thank you so much for all that great information. So it sounds like the, some of the best things for parents to do is go into social media and start asking around for the schools that are in their area that mm-hmm. um, might, you know, fill, fulfill certain needs and then getting involved with the school board, like maybe going to some meetings and and getting more involved and in even starting a group of like-minded parents to to start going to those meetings and and giving some of their ideas and that they would like to see happen.
0: Well, and we all, I mean, theoretically we all vote. Right. But when we vote for the school board members, like, what do we really know about them? Right. So I get a little two sentence statement that Joe Blow is a local businessman and a a vet (laughs) and what about, what do we really know? And then, you know, then I think a lot of people go by in the endorsements and I question endorsements in a lot of ways about, especially, you know, when we get into politics. So I don't, I think about my friends, I think about um, my family members who are adults with kids and, you know, I get a lot of texts like, who am I supposed to vote for? I'm like, that's great that you're asking, <laughs> but like, I like, we need to be more involved in the, in the system.
2: On the, yeah. On the lower local levels. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on today, for sharing all of this with us. Um, I think Vita is an amazing uh, school and a template. I think that a lot of, I hope more schools will start to to look into and start to implement a lot more of what's going on there. So many opportunities for kids, so many different areas of interest to explore. If you want to see all the amazing projects and elective courses Vida is offering their students for ideas and just to see how incredibly engaging school can actually be for our kids, you can check out their Twitter feed at VidaSharks, vida Sharks. They post every school day. They share classroom projects from multiple classrooms, both core and elective classes from their sixth through eighth grades. I also strongly recommend doing a search on social. Usually Facebook is the best one that I know of. But if you know another place to find groups, check it out. We have one here Called North County San Diego Schools. And it's a very active group. Parents are always posting, looking for particular offerings to support their individual child's strengths, interests, or style of learning. And parents jump in with great ideas and knowledge of schools their children attend or have attended, so they have firsthand experience if it fits the description that the asking parent is looking for they are a wealth of knowledge so it's a really great way to learn about what's available what's out there that you may actually have no idea thank you so much for coming on thank you for your time and thank you for sharing all this great information
0: yeah thank you i appreciate it
2: if you are enjoying the podcast please leave a review because it helps others see the podcast so they can benefit from the content and messages that i share. You also can follow on Instagram at your village online. And then lastly, my new podcast, Aaron Royer presents Minding the Gap is now about 5 episodes in. These are definitely messages from my heart and soul that I have, that has been calling to me for the last year and a half. It's based on the transformation process that I have been through this past 5 years, and I'm still on So if you are feeling stuck and you want to create change in your life, or you're in the midst of a lot of change yourself and you're feeling overwhelmed, you may find that podcast very insightful. So you can check that out. Aaron Royer presents Minding the Gap. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week.